Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learn something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now, it's time for a work break. Happy Friday, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Christy Linder, principal of Tessie Consulting. Tessie Consulting is a Black, woman-owned boutique consultancy that offers diversity, equity, inclusion, training, coaching, and more. Christy has served hundreds of global organizations across more than 31 industries in 10 countries, and she brings more than 12 years of experience planning, designing, and implementing DEI programs in corporate America. Christy, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So one of the first things I wanted to talk to you about is what has influenced your thinking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and motivated your efforts, especially in starting your own consultancy firm? Well, I guess let me start with a little bit about how I even got into DEI work. I spent the last 20 plus years as a management consultant. And so I rotated through a number of corporate kind of consulting houses, large consulting firms. And in that process, you know, as you mentioned, I've seen a lot, done a lot of different things across both IT, strategy. And I remember when I got to human capital specifically, I really fell in love. I think that's when it all kind of jived. I knew I, I really had a passion for consulting itself and really helping clients solve big, hairy business problems. However, there was just something about really helping individual companies really take their people strategy to the next level, really helping engage and know, okay, how can you really move a business? How can you really help create kind of a different strategies and help create an amazing culture um, and an amazing great place for people to work and for them to thrive? I got that bug, I'd say over 15 years ago, and I never looked back. And during that time as a consultant, I got a chance to do all types of things when it comes to people strategy. So whether that was helping to design an overall kind of human capital or HR strategy, whether that was to help an organization revamp their onboarding process, was to you know help them with learning and development, help them with organizational development types of tactics, succession planning, leadership development. And obviously for me, diversity, equity, and inclusion as a Black woman in corporate was not only an area I was interested in, there was also a personal kind of element just from my own experiences. And I think for me, when, you know, the bell to really pivot and major in DEI really came, I hate to use tragedies, but sometimes it takes a tragedy to get our attention to things that matter. But it was really the death of Trayvon Martin many, many years ago that I think for me was the sounding bell. And I started to really think about the role that I had in the spaces that I was in. You know, I had a lot of earned privilege. I call it earned privilege at that time because of my education and my background, I was able to be in spaces that I had, I usually wasn't only one. I didn't really see a lot of women, particularly women of color in management consulting. As a first generation American, first generation college grad of my family, first generation corporate professional, I started to wonder, well, what is it that I'm doing as being an ally, right, to individuals that look like me or that may be having these types of experiences? And that was when I really began to create that intersection between my passion for people strategy, for management consulting, and diversity, equity, inclusion to say, you know what, if this is the space I'm in, I need to use this as a platform for change, even if it's in a corporate environment. 
And that was really the genesis of my journey going more deeper and deeper into DEI. So after, you know, I made this realization and I started to really transition myself and focus more on DEI work. And I knew that as a consultant, I knew that I wanted to become an executive and eventually have my own DEI practice. So for me, that was what success looked like as a management consultant. It was actually not starting my own company. It was becoming a partner at a larger firm with my own DEI practice. Years ago, over a decade ago, I started to sell this dream to the leadership. No one was buying it. <laughs> Are you serious? No, but you got to think about back then. For me, I was passionate about it, but I was in spaces where they were about the numbers and they were like, well, we do not see our clients asking us for DEI. They don't see that there's a business case. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I remember it was just a constant battle uphill where I would get a couple of different DEI projects, but for the most part, it was just not an area that honestly corporate was focused in on, particularly in the organizations that I worked at. And then fast forward, you know, I remember when I finally thought I found an opening and I did all this work. And I remember the leadership at the time said, well, Christy, there's no market for DEI work. This was in 2019. Oh my gosh. This is recent. They were like, well, it's important internally in the company, but it was not something they saw they can create a business around. Even though in 2019, DEI was already an $8 billion market. They did not see it to be a viable market that was going to have legs. And so I actually started my company a month before the pandemic. So February 2020, I decided I'm going to take a chance, even though everybody thought I was crazy. And they said, there's no market for it. I'm like, I know there's a market. I know this is what I want to do. And here we are. You know, sometimes you have to take a chance on yourself and follow your dream. And I know for me, I wake up and I go to sleep every day living my purpose. It rings and feels different. I'm really happy I took a chance on myself. So I just share that for you and your audience. Sometimes you got to take a chance on yourself. Yeah. And that's such a cool thing for you to be so confident and like beyond knowing, like seeing the numbers that DEI is a business and is a market that has viability and being able to move away from what you're comfortable with and embrace what you're passionate about and what you believe in and take a chance, like you said. Yeah. And I said it, I was like, well, I'm going to start this company. And as long as my family was behind me, my husband was behind me. And I said, you know, if I fail spectacularly, I'll just go back and get another consulting gig. Yeah, <laughs> You know, that was the way that I saw it, but I haven't looked back. I'm really glad I did that. And we work with a number of different companies and we are really, really adamant about working with only companies that are really serious and they're not about performative DEI. They're about really making change in their organization. And these are types of decisions I wouldn't be able to make if I was incorporated. You have to just go with what you have. Right. You can't pick and choose your clients. And I get to pick and choose clients. And that's a blessing in and of itself. Wow. That's really cool. And obviously, like you have firsthand experience being a Black woman yourself, I'm sure has influenced a lot of your efforts and strategies with diversity, equity, inclusion. So what do you recommend to managers and companies that might not have the perspective that you have? I always say that it's important to really lean into others that may not look or speak like you or have the same experiences as you. I think taking the time to really get to know other individuals outside of what may feel comfortable. And that may sound a bit cliche. However, our brains play tricks on us because our brains and the way that we're wired, when you think about kind of the fight or flight, right? When you think about 
the role that the brain plays in terms of keeping us safe and comfortable to those that were familiar based on our own lived experiences. That is what our brain is designed to do because that's what's kind of helped us alive. That's what kept our ancestors alive, right? I think for individuals wanting and managers wanting to really evolve that sense of consciousness, just really getting to know and be part of spaces that you may not be familiar with. One quick, really tactical thing you can do is social media. Start unliking all the pages that you like. I say that because the way that the platforms, you know, really have become profitable is because they have really hooked to your attention. And how do they do that? They've created really fancy, sophisticated algorithms to make sure that everything you consume is things that are familiar to you, things that you like, issues and ideas and perspectives that reinforce what you already believe. So by just unchecking the same types of things, you kind of start to even open up the world of what you consume online. It doesn't matter what platform it is. Our whole experience is already based on what our brain already believes. So doing something as small as that, I do it. And it's surprising. I get so much more information in my feed that I'm like, sometimes I'm shocked, but it's important that I'm shocked because it allows me to really think and see things from a different lens and help remove myself from, again, what's familiar and what's comfortable. That makes so much sense. I know TikTok in particular, like there's been a lot of discourse about how your For You page is a reflection of what you open yourself up to. So if your For You page isn't diverse, you have to actively seek out voices and people who aren't similar to you. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a really cool strategy that you've been doing. Do you have any other strategies or advice for how to drive diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives, especially in this remote world? I'm glad you mentioned specifically remote world because that has also presented a lot of different challenges. There's so many different layers with work from home. And obviously it depends on where you started when the whole kind of remote work process started. So rewind back to 2020, there was already some organizations that were already operating hybrid, right? So when the pandemic happened, they didn't miss a beat. They just kind of, okay, we're going to all kind of work from home and, you know, we're going to be able to manage and still have the culture that we've created because we already were built for that. And then others, not so much. Others, this was a very painful experience for them to make that switch and then to try to switch back. I think part of it is taking a moment to just re-redefine their culture and redefine what that looks like in a hybrid environment. And I'm going to keep saying the word hybrid because the days of just everyone coming into the office and solely working from the office, I think those days are long gone. Obviously, that depends on the industry. It depends on your business model. But I think what the pandemic has showed is that a majority of companies, a majority of businesses and industries can successfully work in a hybrid environment. And yes, face-to-face -face is always going to be important, but I think it's a moment to redefine what does hybrid look like and to do so in a way that all employees feel valued, they feel that they can develop their career and they can grow regardless of where they are located because everyone's experience is not going to be the same. Yeah. It's important that organizations understand that if you want to really want to be equitable, inclusive in today's environment, it really means having to help create more flexibility. People are leaving jobs. They're leaving very sometimes lucrative jobs for opportunities that open them up for more support and flexibility because that's really the new bonus. 
that ability to work anywhere, be anywhere and still live my life and still be able to have that professional and personal life balance, if you will. I feel like that's going to continue to be important. And you may be asking yourself, well, what does DEI have to do with that? Think about proximity bias. When I say proximity bias, that's the bias of, okay, I go into the office every day and, you know, I have an employee that comes into the office and then I may have one that works from home. Am I giving the person that I see on a daily basis more opportunity? Am I, you know, connecting with them more and creating almost without realizing it, an unintentional advantage for the person I see every day versus, you know, a member of my team that works from home. It's more exacerbated when you think about underrepresented employees, when you think about women and different individuals that working from home provides them the flexibility and support that they need. Sometimes they're already at a disadvantage, already, you know, having marginalized experience. This can further exacerbate that. Um, So just being mindful about how working from home shows up, how people need different things and how flexibility is now the name of the game to keep your best employees happy. And with that intentionality, a lot of people are huge proponents of employee resource groups as a way for people to connect and expand within their company. Are there any other intentional ways to avoid proximity bias or avoid employees feeling like they're isolated in their own silos? It's such a great question. And I think sometimes we think about, okay, if there's a problem, particularly when it comes to these like workforce retention issues, we go back to, well, what are all the programs? I think that sometimes people's way it's like, okay, is there a program to like help fix it or help resolve or help reduce the problem? Sometimes it's just a matter of going back to basics. I say going back to basics because if we go back to when 2020 happened, I mentioned some organizations were already well prepared for an unfortunate event like the pandemic because they were already operating in a hybrid environment. What does that mean to operate in a hybrid environment? That means that I've already defined my culture and I know how we show up, what the defined behaviors are. We understand how we incentivize our leaders and our people to act on those behaviors. And we measure, right? We measure and hold people accountable to those behaviors based on that definition. So if you think about that model and people getting thrown into this new environment, there are a lot of people managers, unfortunately, that were never really trained to operate a hybrid team. Yes, you can have an ERG. I call ERGs as icing on the cake. However, ERGs, I don't think they shouldn't kind of hold the burden to be the ones to manage or close the gap on certain key cultural kind of ideals, cultural values and cultural behaviors. They can influence them, right? They can help drive, you know, kind of inclusion and they can help drive community for certain people. But they're not the end all be all. They're not the end all be all. Just like the HR team is not the end all be all with DEI. DEI is a team sport, right? So I go back to this idea, if we want to do these things to help create those types of environments, I think it goes back to making sure managers, particularly frontline supervisors, people managers, they've been trained. They understand what it means to be inclusive. They understand what unconscious bias is and how that shows up in the decisions that they make. They understand what it takes to really keep your your remote employees just as happy as you keep your on-site employees. That's really the key, because when you think about it, while yes, culture is a big umbrella that holds it all together, it really goes back to the manager. 
people's experiences is based on the people they see on a day-to-day basis and based on their immediate supervisor. That's always been the case. And so being able to go back to basics and making sure that the people that hold that influence is well-prepared for those uh, challenges is going to be critical. I was going to say, it reminds me of the saying, like, people don't quit jobs, they quit managers. Like you said, it comes down to the people that you see on a day-to-day basis and whether or not they can connect to you and be there for you in the way that managers should be trained. It's funny you say that because, yes, managers are part of that equation, but I always feel that it goes back to culture because managers is one component of a broader culture. And the broader culture also includes the systems in place. It includes what behaviors are rewarded and recognized and what behaviors people can get away with, right? Or get swept under the rug. It goes back to like, what's the tone at the top and what are the unwritten rules, right? And the manager is actually, you know, to me, the gatekeeper of those types of experiences. So ensuring that they're prepared and they've been trained from a DEI lens is really, to me, where I think organizations have a really big opportunity to help shape and drive uh, inclusive cultures. That makes a lot of sense. And while there are so many different parts of the puzzle that is company culture, what ways do you think companies can demonstrate and showcase that diversity, equity, inclusion is so important to them, especially to new employees or prospective employees? The answer may not be, I think when people think about a question like that, they think about, well, again, what are the programs we're putting in place? You know, what are the bells and whistles and what's the days people are having off, right? Like people go to these like big grandiose gestures sometimes and they think that's kind of what people are looking for when it comes to DEI. And honestly, DEI starts with each of us. It starts with how do I understand the definition of DEI? How does that relate to me? How do I identify with it and how do I ensure that I do my best, I do my part to help enable and create a sense of inclusion on my teams? I do my part to be an ally to different individuals within my teams and within my company and my department. So it goes back to the individual and how do I hold you know, myself and others around me accountable, particularly when I see things that are not good. What am I doing to help create a space that we all can show up and really be celebrated for what we are similar, but also what are our differences? I think that's really what the answer is. So yes, you can do a lot of different things and have all types of different programs, but it comes down to, do people have a clear understanding of where the company is headed? Do they know what the definition of DEI means to everyone and what is their individual roles? I find that there's so much emphasis on DEI, but it's from a lens of, okay, DEI has to do with a small set of group of people, those people over there, and I can choose to opt in or out depending on how I identify. And that's not the case at all. It's for everyone. It's about everyone. It's more of, okay, how can we really make sure that everyone gets a chance to be invited to the table and to have their needs met and their differences amplified? I mean, I think that's really the key. Right. And that really makes me think of like how HR is human resources and it comes down to the people within it and the community that you build from those individuals to make a difference and to make an inclusive environment. Yeah. And I think you're spot on when you say that. I think one thing to kind of add to that is that organizations that are leading from a DEI lens, while yes, HR plays a strategic role because they really own and drive a lot of the processes that enable employee experiences, 
It shouldn't stop there though. You know, DEI should be a value that is in procurement. It's in marketing. It's in supply chain. It's in different types of other functions. Even though it starts in in the HR space, it shouldn't stay there. It should be kind of a core value that's permeated in everything, in every function that a company has. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So my final question for you today is, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Ooh, this weekend. I started a garden and I'm really excited. This weekend, actually, I think I've grown enough basil in my herb garden that I do plan on using it for um, a pasta dish that I'm making. So I'm very excited about that. My goal is in the next 90 or so days, I will be able to consume and have a full salad from my yard. So it's been a little bit of YouTube university in terms of starting my garden, but I'm looking forward to continuing to grow it and to watch it just blossom. So that's my weekend. That's so cool. What other stuff are you growing in your garden besides herbs and stuff? So I've got like an herb garden and I have a vegetable garden. So I plan to just grow all the stuff I know we eat, right? So I've got spinach, lettuce, kale, cucumbers. I've got onions, scallions, you know, just all the things that I know I literally sit here and visualize plucking each of them. It's really funny because, again, I've never had time in the past, but I've decided that I really want to take a chance. I've been wanting to start this garden for years, so I'm really excited to see where it goes. There's something so cool about being able to grow your own food. I haven't had the chance yet because I don't have a yard, but one of my um, friends and coworkers, she is a part of a community garden, and so she just always has these fresh greens, and she's always texting the group chat, hey, like, does anyone want some lettuce or scallions or something like that? That's awesome. I can't wait to get to that day that I can send messages like that to my family, like, hey, I've got extra tomatoes. Who wants some? (laughs) I'm sure you're going to get there really quickly. It sounds like since it's every single weekend, you're taking really good care of it, especially with uh, all the YouTube tutorials, too. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see where we go, but um, it's been a joy for sure. That's awesome. And thank you so much again for joining me today, Christy. Thank you. Again, I'm Maddie Collins, and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.